Welcome back to the Skits and Giggles podcast. I am Pascal, chief instigator of the show and your host. I'm joined by my co-host and our resident engineer, the ying to my yang, the boner log to my whale tail. Bryson, how's it going today, buddy? Very good, Pascal. How are you doing? I'm, I'm very well, thank you. Um, today we have a special episode. We have our first guest from the future. And uh, we say welcome back to the Skits and Giggles podcast to Lukas Huppert. How is it going, Huppi? Hello, guys. Thank you for having me here once again. Really appreciate. So maybe we should uh, talk a little bit about where you're sitting right now. Because uh, obviously you're from the future. So where are you now? Tell us about that. 11 er um, hours earlier than you. Or in future, better to say. And I'm in Auckland, New Zealand for the MIQ quarantine. Okay, so I guess for the listener that is not quite familiar with the uh, schedule of the Crankworks tour, Hoopy is currently sitting in quarantine in a hotel in Auckland. Uh, but how, how has it been going so far? Um, pretty good, actually. We're supposed to be here for 14 days, um, even if you're vaccinated, just to be sure that you're not bringing any COVID into the country here or the island which isn't surrounded by anything else. So yeah, they're pretty strict, but it's pretty good so far. Um, day 12 from 14. The past few days went by pretty fast and yeah, can't wait to get out of here. <laughs> oh, okay. But so how does it work? Is it uh, so you're, you know, you just book your flight and, uh, and then you need to book your quarantine or, and then they pick you up or how does that work? Actually getting a quarantine spot is super, super difficult. There's a lot of Kiwis being stranded still in Europe or all over the places and they're waiting to get an MIQ spot. But Crankworks, the event I'm going to ride, um, just organized that like nine months ago. And we were still in belief that we maybe don't need to quarantine, but yeah, not the, we still have to. But um, yeah, so they booked that a long time ago and then you need to book your flights. Then you're going here, landing in Auckland, and from there, you're pretty much like getting um, walking into the army, and they will guide you where you need to go. So you just hop on a bus, and they bring you to the hotel. And yeah, then you stay in here for 14 days, and you do several COVID tests, and if all of them, those are negative, you're allowed to leave the yeah quarantine after 14 days but it it's pretty much the same just that you're yeah not leaving the airport like you're used to you're just jumping on a bus and that's it oh, okay well i guess the uh the big question then is like how are you feeling your day i mean have you uh do you have some entertainment with you or and some training stuff or how does that all work well i was actually so motivated and brought so many things did a lot of office works and stuff. Um, yeah, some calls for next season with partners and stuff. And yeah, working on the renewal of all the contracts and stuff, which was pretty good, to be honest, to have some time. And also me and a friend of mine, we did my portfolio for next season, like made it perfect now. I bought a PlayStation 4. Um, but to be honest... I played it twice, not kidding. And I thought like maybe I'm getting the addiction, which a lot of kids get 
from like video games, but I couldn't. So I already sold it. Just put it on the Facebook marketplace and sold it for the same price as I bought it in Switzerland. Oh, wow. Here in Auckland. <laughs> uh, but it was super easy to sell somehow. I got like 20 messages in one day. So yeah, I did that. I, I bought a TRX for like, there's a special one you can put in your door. I'm using that a bunch. Then I rented a um, spinning bike from some currently fitness company. And yeah, that's it pretty much. And I talk a lot with, um, or I'm calling a lot with the other inmates here. So there's like the German guys and we're pretty much calling for like five hours a day doing everything else besides it. But you're like always talking with someone and time flies. I think without like FaceTime and stuff like that, time wouldn't have passed as close as it, as it did <laughs> for me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it sounds like uh, more like a training camp, really. But uh, so you're gonna be you're gonna be flying once you get out. Yeah, but still, I mean, you're never doing as many steps as you would do outside. So I don't know. I mean, I'm focusing more on like core strength and stuff. But um, somehow you still get lazy in here. It's it's super hard to stay productive because you're like, oh fuck, I got still 14 days left, you know full days so you're always pushing it big back but uh yesterday i was super super productive because i realized oh man if you want to get all your stuff done you should put in some work now <laughs> but um <clears throat> but are you allowed any time at all outside or are you literally stuck into your room for like 14 days when you get your first negative covid result you're allowed to leave for 30 minutes a day and you're walking um, around at the parking lot and there's like security and army standing around it then nobody runs away kind of but you're allowed to do that 30 minutes a day they tell us we should only go out every second day but yeah i called the security guard a few times a day and if i hear some otherwise i'm just telling him yo um haven't been out yesterday can i go out today and Somehow I can sneak through. Oh, sweet. That helps, about, that helps a lot. Like the 30 minutes outside, you're wearing a mask and stuff, but still you feel so free. Fresh air and stuff, it's so good. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But uh, Auckland itself, is that uh, open uh, in air quotes right now? Or is it also in lockdown? Or what's, what's the story? Completely lockdown, like our hardest lockdown we had in wintertime. But um, Rotorua, where I'm going to, is more chill. There's like lockdown levels and this is level three and level two is with, I think, restaurants and pubs open and those things. But yeah, like just some more rules with not as many people are allowed to sit on the table as before. And yeah, just uh, normal stuff, but it's not too bad. All right. Well, let me uh, let me sprinkle in a little uh, little listener question. We obviously put some some stuff out on our uh, Instagram uh, just to get some inputs for the recording today. And we've had one interesting question from uh, a friend of the podcast, Robin Schaub, and he um, he wanted to know now that you've almost done twenty days of quarantine, uh, how do you think uh, a prisoner is feeling, and if he has to do twenty years? I mean, one thing I've learned is 
I really never, never, ever want to end up end up in a prison. Not even for a month or something. I mean, I, also before, I never wanted to go to prison, but now I know it's pretty tough, especially as you're not, I don't think you can call with your family and stuff whenever you want. Stay out of prison. <laughs> yeah, but in a way, also respect. If you like make it through those 20 years, it's pretty tough. And I think after those 20 years, you're, you know that you shouldn't do that stuff anymore. Exactly. You should have learned something. <laughs> yeah. I think you learn a bunch in, the, in that time. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's look, uh, before, we, uh, before we spend some more time on, uh, you know, 21, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, what uh, lays ahead. Um, you're going to Crankworx Rotorua at the end of the week. Uh, I believe it's the final event of the year. So, uh, so yeah, what, uh, what are your goals? Are you ready? You're feeling fresh and, uh, and ready to go? Or um, you're, you're happy that the season is starting to calm down a little bit? Um, both, kind of. I'm also happy that the season calmed down a bit because I wasn't really at home that much the last few months. But um, I really want to do well here. It's a course I really like. And it's the Crankworx event I've ridden the most. It's the third time now. And all the other ones I only rode twice. As last year, just before COVID, it was even possible to ride that event. And yeah, um, I want to do really well. As I also need to be good with the points to stay in the top 12 of the world ranking to be in for the next year. And yeah, pretty much it. I got a run in my head, in my mind, which I want to do and... Hard to say how I'm feeling now because I'm not really riding my bike, but I'm trying my best to, yeah, get the blood pumping and the tricks going. Yeah, like keep my muscle memories kind of. And it's always hard to say like which place you want to get because you're which ranking because you're just working towards your best run. And then just my goal is just to get my best run or the best out of me, which is possible. And then the ranking doesn't count too much to me or isn't that relevant. I mean, if I get last place with my best run, I'm obviously disappointed, but then I know I need to work more or work on my strategy, strategy which I also have to change for next year, I think, because there's other ways to... There's like contest training and normal riding, kind of. And when I visited Brad Reed at his house, I just realized, yo, there is... There's a training playground, which is proper training. And there's like parks, like jump park we have kind of, which is also training, but not close to a facility to get as good for contests like they have. But um, yeah, I'll just do my best I can. And then she will go good, I think. <laughs> uh, but can you elaborate a little bit on that? I mean, you spent, you said you spent some time at Bread Readers. So what does, uh, what does his facility look like? And what makes it different to what you what you have? It's just more. I mean, I've been there. the The Silver Star Crankworks is just twenty minutes away from his house, so he invited us. Sadly, he wasn't there because he was. He just flew to Vancouver to get his leg fixed before rampage. But sadly, yeah, it was a bit of a bigger injury, so he couldn't compete. But um, yeah, I don't want to tell too much because it's kind of private, but. It's more like the dimensions are different and there's like a lot of safe landings and stuff, 
which you can practice and repeat your tricks on, and also features like crops and stuff, which we don't really have, you know, to practice on. I don't have any crankwork-sized drop in Switzerland. And not even like in the bike parks, they're always smaller and the landings are just rough. But it's more that they're like really working on drop tricks and stuff. So I got to build a drop by myself, kind of. But this is going to be 10 meter high scaffolding. At least, because yeah, the landing needs to be like 5 meter high and the drop needs to be like 6 meters. So maybe 11 meter high. Scaffolding, something like that I would have to build to increase my riding, really. They're like really, I think the best, especially like the Canadians and stuff, which also have properties. They're really rebuilding the features from the previous events. So uh, probably they're measuring pressure measuring at Crankworks, like yo, this size, so I got to build this at my place. So they're like taking the parts off the run to the backyard. It's a really genius idea, but uh, you're not also without uh, your resourcefulness. I've seen you doing some some water jumps, trying to yeah, uh, I'm actually trying to trick doing out. My best. So. And one funny story, super funny story. I went to Dominic Bossard. Um, maybe you guys know, or he has also been at the podcast for sure. You know him exactly. Former guest Dominic Bossard. <laughs> yeah, at his birthday, and we went for dinner at the restaurant just next to that drop in Solothurn. And Chris was also there, and Jan and Dominic, like all of them. And was like, guys, that's a crankwork size drop. And uh, the roof was like, is like 40 meters long, so you got a long enough rolling. So I was like, okay, I'm coming here one day when there's not that many people sitting in the restaurant. So yeah doesn't stress me out too much if i'm practicing there so i went there on a first day morning at 8 a.m woke up pretty early drove there with a friend and um somehow there were 20 cops standing there and i was like okay if the cops are there i'm not really jumping from that building into the port and then one of them walked into the building into that little house i was like damn is that the, um, you know, like the the place they're covering the police boat? Then the police boat drove out of that building. I was like, God damn it. No. And then I was like, whatever, you can always ask. Then I asked the policeman and he was like, oh, yeah, I mean, didn't see any sign that it's not allowed to jump off that house and into the port. Only not swimming is not allowed. And I was like, okay, so are you fine with that? And he was like, ah, yeah, but let me ask my boss. So I waited for like 20 minutes. Then the boss came with the boat. Then I asked him and he was like, yeah, I mean, are you professional? Like, yeah. So you're not getting hurt. He was like, yeah, I'm trying my best. And then the police was just standing there filming me and I jumped in a few times. Nice. So, yeah. I did that three times already, but I was never productive because it's so cold. Your bike gets super heavy. And like falling down from five meters onto your bike is just painful as hell. Riding culture doesn't have a wetsuit or a dry suit, right? They can't provide you with that. 
No, not really. But I actually do have a wetsuit. But still, it's it's so cold. Like your helmet gets completely soaked. And, uh, it's not the best. Well, maybe that's uh, that's an opportunity for uh, for your sponsor, right? So, I mean, you already got the Lucas Hoopold Pro Model jeans. So, why not do a, a Hoopy Pro Model wetsuit for jumping off roofs into the river? Yeah, <laughs> it's had an inter- maybe you just add a, an integrated helmet, and then uh, you know you can you can sell it as a bike a bike accessory for EWS Zermatt. <laughs> yeah, exactly for rainy for a rainy enduro race or a downhill race. That's perfect. Yeah. I see that as an opportunity. So after sending that huge drop, the water jump, did it set you up a little bit better for when you head out to Slovenia and Poland? You're doing all those big air and what was it? Flat out, flat out days. Some big stuff. Pretty sick. I mean, for a COVID season, I was traveling as much as never before, I think. Been pretty much all over the place in Europe, also in Canada and now New Zealand. And yeah, flat out days was my first proper big air experience. And I think it was the coolest week of the year so far. Because you're hitting a jump of like 65 kilometers per hour and it's a 25 or 26 meter hip, the first jump. So you're going into fest territory. Yeah, I don't know. I mean... I think it's not that easy to get into that scene there. But um, yeah, I did also the Algae Dance Big Air, which was way smaller than the flat out days. But um, so much fun because you kind of already get a lot of adrenaline just by hitting it. Not like in a soapstack contest, you're not really yeah getting your heart pumped as much if you're not doing a trick. But there you're just hitting it and bam! Whipping over the jump, it's yeah, it's a sick feeling. Were you able to pull off any other tricks while you're in those big air events? Well, actually, I'm. I was so afraid to already hit it. Like, blah, it was horrible. Shit, my pants so bad. <laughs> I was so afraid. But um, yeah, I mean, a flip or something would be doable. Yeah, that's it. Pretty much, you're not doing that many tricks on a jump with such a big consequence on getting hurt. But um, yeah, I mean, it was the first event I've hit those jumps. So, As you said, it was a pretty busy 21 season, especially for Corona. So I have a little bit of list here. You're at uh, Innsbruck for Crankworks. You checked out the Slovenia Flat Out Days. Um, cycle Week, you participated in the jump competition. Then you were at Koppenride, Red Bull Roof Ride Poland. You went to the nines, and you were in Crankworks, BC. So it's a super full calendar, and then you're in, then you're in New Zealand. So it's it's busy, busy. There was there was even a filming trip in Bioritz with routing culture in between, and ah. some other silver event in Germany, and some yeah, it was actually a bunch of things happening. <laughs> but uh, the season was super busy, almost too much. The Copenride, Roof Ride, Audi 9s, and Eurobike trade show was all just like every, all next to each other. So it didn't really have a, yeah, a rest break in between. So Audi 9s, I was super tired, like horrible. 
from the weeks before and also getting wrecked at Copenride and Roof Ride. <laughs> and yeah, what should I say? Wasn't the best season so far, except to Innsbruck. Innsbruck was, I think, the best run I had till today. Super clean, no paddling, and yeah, just worked out everything as I wanted it. Roof ride and Copen ride were windy as hell. Like, Copen ride was next to the sea, and up there it's anyways windy all the time. It's like northern Germany, Denmark, so 65 kilometers sidewind. Sidewind, I think, yeah. Oh. It was sidewind, and then the big jump headwind, which was all right, the headwind. But yeah, I. For there was at the first for the first time was like yeah, I'm not doing this. Yolo. No, I'm I'm not doing this because so even many Yolo. people. <laughs> yeah, no <low>. but, Like <laughs> so many people got ser seriously seriously hurt. Like oh, I saw Thomas the double flipping the huge jump, like one of the biggest jumps I've hit to the flat onto his back and screaming, <sighs> and we all thought like fuck, broke his back completely. And it was just 20 minutes before our contest and everybody pretty much crashed in the runs in front of me. So, yeah, I was just over it and did my first run, went way too deep on the first jump and couldn't really finish it. But then I thought like, yeah, whatever. I was all, I never messed up a contest in the last two years. Um, really. Then roof ride the week after was a fun time. Poland is anyways funny. Just kind of, you know, it's a bit loose and sometimes and the people are so funny. Like the Polish riders are the best. And they also know to how, how to have a party, you know. So we're always having like good time and having some beers after. Yeah, the riding stuff. That was a crazy event because you're jumping from a 18 or 19 meter building onto a 10 meter high landing and the meter the landing was like six meters wide so pretty narrow and from the six meters the next 10 meters down were so like the landing was so narrow and you were like the kicker was also on a plateau from two meters high so if you mess it up on top you fall down like 10 meters and if you mess it up down there when you're having like 60 kilometers per hour, you just crash two meters on the concrete. And if you make it over the jump, or you can, you can hit it, the jump, your wheels are spinning so damn fast, it's insane. Like, you're just floating through the air. The next jump was like six meter far, six meter long. And the jump before was um, 14 and a half meter long. But the, the jump was like 80 degrees um kicker and the kicker was five meters high so you flew like seven meters high from the edge of the kicker bam huge impact in the landing and the last jump was like yeah five meters long and pretty small <laughs> <laughs> it was it was crazy like the rowdiest contest i've ever ridden and there i was also like oh man i just don't want to get hurt somehow i think i'm I'm a confident, more confident rider as I used to. But I'm just doing it when I know it makes sense to me. And somehow the last contest didn't make too much sense to me. 
And yeah, hard to say. Maybe I should also get back my crazy no fear koopy, which I was of 18. But I think yeah, riding calculated is the best for a long and healthy career. So, especially as a as a professional. <laughs> yeah, but bitter pill to swallow, like in that moment. Oh, for sure. But you know, I guess that's a super part, hard part of getting older, and uh, you know. Um, I think that's just I how don't it like goes. the part. Ah, <laughs> yeah, well, I have twenty more, twenty years more experience of getting older than you, so uh, I can tell you it's not only bad. <laughs> yeah, I bet, I bet. <laughs> but one, one, uh, one actual event I'm, I'm really interested in because uh, I've gone there in the past is the uh, Night of the Jumps, and this uh, this year they've done uh, um, an intermezzo with mountain bikers. So Night of the Jumps is a uh, typically an FMX kind of uh, show. And uh, this year in Basel, they had uh, some mountain bike jumps. So how did that go? That was a bloody good, bloody good time. It was super good. We were so stoked to ride again, like in a full stadium. And the crowd was all around us. So the noise they did and the cheering was insane. The crowd was also super good. They were um, super pumped and having a Swiss guy, I think. Or a bit patriotic, because I got most of the applause, kind of, <laughs> which was pretty sick. <laughs> um, I mean, it was a super great feeling. And yeah, Night of the Jumps wants to get more cycling into their shows, because I think people can relate better to cycling than to motocross. And we can also do more things with like tail whips and bar spins and more rotations. Because that's obviously not possible with a 150 kilo dirt bike. So yeah, I think it brings a good mix into the show, and yeah, it was super good. I hope I can do that show once again next year, or even the other ones in Berlin and Hamburg. And well, I guess uh, with uh, with Nino Shorter and Yolanda Neff, you're one of the very few mountain bikers that make it to uh, the front page of a national Swiss newspaper. That uh, you know, get the interviews and photos and uh, and all the rest of it. So that was uh, pretty impressive to see for something that's not even a contest. <laughs> Man, actually, I think I've got the biggest Swiss coverage in the two weeks before um, the night of the jumps. Because somehow the promoter, like he's an absolute legend. He did such a great job. The promoter for Night of the Jump Switzerland. And yeah, he was like, oh man, it's so good that we have a Swiss guy because you open a lot of opportunities to have a Swiss rider in here and all the newspapers like it. And I went to TV Basel and Basler Talkblatt front page no not front page but like half of a page in blick which is one of the biggest newspapers in switzerland also online article the media coverage was pretty good this year <laughs> yeah i guess so so you're gonna have a street named after you <laughs> i don't think so <laughs> well roger roger federer is getting a tram in my hometown so <laughs> that should be the goal saw that wow crazy no i don't think so i mean the media, like SRM Sport, doesn't care at all if you're not Olympic, kind of. But I don't think they would like post it if I would win Joyride or something. <laughs> Just because it's not Olympic. But yeah, whatever. I don't want to claim anything. I mean, I think they do a good job. And I also like the content they're uploading with all the athletes. Humble Hoopy. 
So looking back uh, on your season, it's not over yet, but let's just take a quick blick back. Uh, when you were setting up last year for this season, is it you know as you expected or are you going beyond what you thought you were capable of doing uh, for this year? What was your feeling from last year? Um, yeah, actually, I've hoped to get um, yeah, a better season, to be honest. Because the goals are always super high, I think, for every sportsman. And to get all those goals done in the season is almost impossible, kind of. Because you're setting it always so high. But, um, except to Emil, because he wins everything. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I hope to get a better result in also in BC, Silver Star, and at the other events, which were pretty rowdy, but... I mean, it is what it is, and I feel like I never really had big downs in my riding career so far because I was always consistent. And this season, I'm not really as consistent as I used to be. But um, yeah, I mean, it is what it is, and after every low, there's another high, and I think the high is coming up next week because um, my run, I think, is going to be pretty good. Okay. Well, it's actually uh, something... Oh. It's actually something I've noted for uh, for our conversation is um, you know because we um, <clears throat> in our first episode uh, we talked about you know how the difficulties of you not being an Olympic athlete and not getting access to training infrastructure during the during last winter and how that is uh, maybe holding back your uh, your season this year. So are you feeling any of that, that you haven't been working out as much? Or is that maybe like a late effect from that? Hard to say because, I mean, I got better than last season in my tricks and riding. But to be honest, I think I would have gotten better and more tricks if I could have practiced at home or if I would have been allowed to. But yeah, as... Just that people know, as I'm not an Olympic athlete, even if or you don't need, even need to be a prof um, Olympic athlete, you just need to be at the Swiss Cycling Federation. Elite, yeah, you need to be elite. And, uh, elite, yeah, kind of. Wrong said, I'm, I'm a professional rider, which is not allowed to practice in winter during COVID, or I wasn't allowed. So I went all over the place all the time, which was pretty sick and a great time. But it's so hard to stay productive if you don't have kind of your routine, you know. So I realize if I'm back home, I'm, yeah, it's all familiar, you know. I make my breakfast at home, sleep well at my, um, in my bed. Then I even do like a small running sesh or workout, then go ride. Sometimes I ride super early in the morning, sometimes I ride in the morning and evening with my mate Jan Hakemon, which is my main one of my best friends and main riding buddy and he's a student so he also got time so we're more on a routine and working and stuff and it's always the same spot so you're always starting where you ended the last time you've been there you know and if you're all over the place you always have to get used to the new jumps and you're crashing on some friend's couch and yeah it's a great time but you're not really that productive so I think I have to stay more at home this winter and practice at my own training facilities to get the best out of me or at least do that for two months and then go all over the place again. But yeah, 
I also experienced a lot and learned a lot this winter as it was my first pro winter where I wasn't working in my apprenticeship all the time. So I've got a few things to change up and yeah, it was a bit easy to lose the focus sometimes this winter because we always thought the COVID is never ending and there were a few things, but now it was the first pro winter and I think next winter is going to be super productive. But that's from what all of the pro athletes say, that first year you're just professional. It's so hard to get routine and get used to it because it's a completely new life, you know. You're, I think, yeah, I was 20 or I'm now 21, but kind of like, you know, young and wild age. And it's hard to be your own boss, self-employed and stay productive all the time. And yeah, like ride productive, not just ride Sometimes you got to write, you always have to write for fun, but sometimes you got to just work on stuff you're not so comfortable with. And sometimes aren't that funny to yeah land on your face 10 times in a row, but that's how it works. It sounds like you've learned a lot over the past while. Is there someone you've, uh, has helped you, like mentored you or helped you, gave you pointers on uh, how, to, how to survive your first year as pro? I mean, mentors and stuff, there were a bunch, or especially Chris, when I was a bit younger, but now as I'm like mainly riding, also doing good day and stuff, I'm often with Jan and we're like talking to each other and trying to find techniques to learn the trick and stuff. And also Tommy G, I spent some time with him and yeah, but it's kind of, it's hard nowadays because I feel like I'm in a pretty high level of tricks. So you got a lot, um, learn a lot by yourself, but I think you talk to everyone, you know, if I have something with, I want to talk to Chris, he always knows what to say kind of, and also with Jan or my parents. Okay. Um, one, um, interesting feedback we got from, uh, the first episode was, uh, how, um, you know, how positive and commendable you were about the infrastructure you have in Zurich. And, you know, with Zuri Trails and the Jump Park and the Skills Park and the Winter Tour and, and all these kind of things. So, but do you feel um, that is enough for you to keep progressing or are you going to outgrow that infrastructure at some stage? I'm still super thankful for all of that, especially as we could build a new jump at Jump Park, which is way bigger now. And have that opportunity and also financially the support. Which is, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean, it's, building jumps, it's super expensive, especially in Switzerland, where wooden stuff is insane expensive. So, yeah, I'm actually, uh, the facilities are super good compared to other places. But as I mentioned before, I just realized in Canada that there's like a few more things which you got to have to get better. But if I'm building like a super high drop, with maybe a soft landing you're just riding it to get better you know but you're not sessioning it so i just have to build that privately because that's just a training playground and nobody will just come and ride the drop 30 times a day because it's just a bit lame to hit one drop and walk up climb up another 10 meter or something jump once again it's kind of lame, you know, so I should kind of, yeah, would be nice to have some 
Well, that's the that's the difference between being a professional and uh, just writing for fun, right? So you're, yes, everyone true, true. wants everyone wants to progress, but you have a so not only are you operating on a much higher level than everyone else, certainly, you know, in Switzerland and, and to some extent in Europe, but uh, it's also like you need much more uh, routine to get to an even higher level and push yourself even more, right? Exactly, but it's not that it's will be built in like a jump park or something. And I probably have, I will, I think I would have to found it anyways, fund it by myself or find a sponsor, which helps me with it. But, um, it's also hard to find a property, which is big enough and all that stuff. But I think I'll, yeah, I'll have a look after coming back home from New Zealand and maybe look for something, but that's like a huge project and we'll probably you know, you never invest in your training facility, kind of, or I never invested in my training facility. And if I invest, that's like a good investment, I think. Because if I can learn like a new trick on a drop, like for example, Brad Reader with the flip whip, you get that money kind of easy again. If you can like get your riding way better and you will have a better and consistent more consistent season kind of you know so if i think if i spend that amount of money it's well spent you know so that would be one thing which yeah i'm a bit saving up to to building like a proper training ground and maybe buying an uh, airbag there's actually pretty cheap ones from china now so that would be a thing, but big project. And I also want to do a video project this winter, Portugal and Barla. So <laughs> probably not everything is happening. <laughs> so. so much to do, so little time. Okay, so throwing it back to Rotorua, last year you threw a rundown that brought you into seventh place. You just told us you have something in mind that's going to bring your score up, or at least going to better your run. Is it the same course? How do you know... The run you're going to make is going to be better. Sadly, it's the same course in seven years, I think. Um, we would like to change it, but the crazy thing is this year, the level got so much higher. Like, insane. With the run I did in Innsbruck, maybe two years ago, I would have easily gotten a podium. But the level got so much higher. So if I do the same run again, I get last place. There are a few things which are similar. Like the 360 tail whip on the first step down, which is still a pretty good trick also in 2021. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, I know kind of the course. And if you look at the jumps, you can kind of think of what you're doing. And it's always the same game, you know. You know those tricks you're comfortable with and safe. So yeah, you kind of ride the course and pick those tricks to which jump you want to do it and yeah but i'm not like i will not try a crazy new trick just straight away there because the chance of crashing is so high <laughs> and not getting my run down you know but it's if i get my first run down i want to yeah step it up i never really did that always had a good first run and crashed in my second run if i wanted to step it up but now just keep the nerves together and bring her home <laughs> Exactly. Right on. But it should be good. I like the course. When you got enough practice, it, and the conditions are always pretty good in Rotorua. It's not like Whistler, where the wind blows up the boneyard. 
So along with uh, the uh, the media coverage you been doing over the summer, there's also a a new bike release from your sponsor, the Dig of Volt. Uh, I saw some mixed reviews on the uh, popular media websites, but personally, I'm a fan. I think it's super cool because it's kind of it's well, what do you want to say? Break the mold, or you know, kind of like new to the scene. Like I haven't seen an e dirt jump bike, and I mean. I'm out for new things. So tell us a little bit about the bike and um, how you feel about riding it. Well, actually, sadly, I haven't got the bike at home. So I only rode it in Barcelona for the shooting. But um, yeah, Rough Cycles came up to me in yeah the beginning of 2020, summer 2020. And um, yeah, they were like, oh, yeah, we want to build up their brand rough cycles x pro with like mountain bikes and stuff and we got an idea it is the digger volt and i was like what well, digger volt uh, either bike and i was like okay uh, how heavy will it be and it's like okay uh, 20 kilos it's like what and then they were like yeah just trust us and we'll see you will see it will be funny so um I showed up to the shooting in Barcelona, had that bike. We even put out the, the you know, there's like, that you cannot go faster than 25 hours per hour, uh, 25 kilometers per hour. So you could ride like 40 kilometers per hour. So much fun. Like, the acceleration is crazy, especially with like slick tires, five bars in it, like we ride it, or four and a half. Super fast. So, um, yeah. Um, long story short we rode it there had super good time obviously you cannot do like double or triple tail loops with it but um, 360s and whips and stuff were same same and just riding a line is same same so yeah we did that promo video to yeah release the brand Rough Cycles X Pro and I think it went pretty good because if somebody would like launch a normal slope style bike, nobody would care, kind of. And marketing wise, I think it was pretty sick because everybody was talking about it. I mean, there was a bunch of hate in it, of course. But um, remember the first e-bike enduro, also a bunch of hate. And yeah, I don't think like either bikes will go as big as e-enduro bikes because yeah, you need a light bike, but. Somehow, yeah, everybody talked about it. We made kind of a name. Everybody knows Rough Cycles now, or a bunch of people know it. And yeah, if you ever get the chance to ride it, try it out, guys. I got a lot of hate about it, but if you can really try it out, it's it's uh, kind of funny. And I feel like for somebody which is not really trying to work on only tricks and tricks, and wants to pedal to his spot, which is maybe 10 kilometers away. Just hop on their bike, off to work, pedal there easy, have some laps, go back home. And yeah, it's kind of funny. But we are working on other bikes. And I'm also consultant when it comes to that. And I can bring my knowledge as yeah professional into the brand. And stay tuned. There will be some cool bikes releasing, hopefully soon. But um, all of you guys probably know that the supply chain from Far East has some problems at the moment. I hope that the orders are coming soon and we can release 
the bike soon. So yeah, I'm I'm super happy with them. So cool also to have a bike brand which really supports me and truly believes in what I do. So cheers, <laughs> cheers guys <laughs> from Rough Cycles. That's what it's all about. All right, as we said earlier, we also reached out to some uh, friends of the podcast, former guests, and you know, to just get some some entertaining uh, listener questions um, to get a little bit more perspective uh, on uh, Lucas Hubert. And I guess one of our um, one of our favorite submissions is from uh, you know the Godfather Swiss slope star Chris Rabo, former guest, and um, he just wanted to know. Um, how do you handle uh, a hangover, Hoopy? Well, guys, everybody who knows me knows that my hangovers are like super bad. But um, it can be from three beers that I'm completely fucked. <laughs> That's the right word on the next morning. Or it could be like crazy party night of the contest and I'm kind of all right in the next morning. But um, I'm suffering. I used to suffer pretty bad on a migraine when I was a kid and still sometimes do. But from what I've yeah, heard from several doctors and stuff, it could be from my migraine. So yeah, my hangovers are pretty bad. If I'm like, it could be only three beers, four beers, and I'm almost a 90 kilo guy, which, you know, kind of other people drink that after work. No problem. <laughs> Which I don't think is too good, but I mean, for like one and a half or two liters of beer, I can be super like laying in bed and... Not a good hangover. Puking also, like super bad. But I've, I also have, like if I'm sitting in a plane and it's super turbulent, I also just start to puke. If I'm sitting in a car, looking at my phone and I'm not the driver... I'm, yeah, obviously I'm not the driver, but um, if I'm like not paying attention to the road, I, I just start puking. So I think there's something with my migraine and like travel sickness or on a boat too, that I'm like, uh, I just need to lay down and sleep. <laughs> but yeah, you also know how to uh, to cheer yourself up. Um, he, uh, he's saying that we should discuss in great detail your karaoke career um, and your artist name Shakupi. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, Chris Rabbit is also a big karaoke fan like me. So that kind of started, I don't know where, in which pub or karaoke pub. But I think, oh no, it started in a car because I'm, I'm, I'm driving so much, like cannot believe. So I pretty much know every lyrics of some mainstream songs. And yeah, so I was driving and singing, uh, na, 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 hips on light, blah, blah, blah. Um, and they thought it super funny. So kind of the nickname as Shakupi came up and in like 2019, it was such a trend for me. So I was singing 2018, 2018. So we're singing in China in a karaoke bar, hips on light from Shakira and I think in the US once, in Zurich several times. I think also in New Zealand, kind of. I did I did some karaoke Shakupi songs, so it was kind of funny. And one funny thing too, I didn't sing karaoke for a while. 
I think since Corona I didn't. But the night before I came here to quarantine, Chris also called me like, yo, in Baden, the city close to us, on Wednesday there's like a karaoke night and they went also last Wednesday and it was super funny and you should do that in your last day of freedom for the next 16 days with flying and stuff. So I went there and I didn't sing Shakira, but I sang Bon Jovi living on a prayer. Also a classic karaoke song. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Um, we have a couple more, so maybe let's uh, take some of the more serious ones. I mean, there's a lot of questions about Brazil. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, why people are asking about Brazil? I'm half Brazilian. My mom is born and raised in Brazil and moved to Switzerland together with my dad. And yeah, now, I mean, I'm born and I'm born and raised in Switzerland, but I used to visit Brazil every year till I was 60, sometimes even twice a year. But um, yeah, then like kind of my grandma was already old and she died. That was the reason I didn't go too much anymore in the last few years. And also with all the traveling, because in the apprenticeship after being away for almost three months and then telling my boss to go for a two-week vacation to Brazil. I don't think that would have worked. But he's an absolute legend, my ex-boss. But yeah, that's it. I'm having some Brazilian blood in me. Have you ever done any any riding in Brazil? Well, sadly not. Sadly not. As somehow it is a pretty big hostel to bring my bike and... Also having like a fancy bike is sometimes a bit sketchy, you know, and it's also a huge hustle to bring it into, always take it into the car. And we were often traveling a bit around, you know, visiting the family for a few days and then driving up north to the coast and stuff. So for my parents, that was never a thing. I always wanted to bring it, but now I don't think I would really bring it because you know, all the spots are so far away and sometimes in sketchy areas. And I just like to be there at the beach and don't think too much about riding, I think, or go surfing and stuff. But there is, there's sick, there's some sick spots, like sick ass trails in Brazil, BMX trails would be really good to go. But uh, I also hear that uh, your favorite dessert is from... Uh from uh, Brazil too. So Brigadeiro. What is Brigadeiro? Can you tell us about that? Oh yeah, that's um, favorite, um, super famous dessert from Brazil. It's like uh, mousse au chocolat, kind of, but it's not like a mousse, it's more like cream from condensed milk. Hard to explain, but if you ever get the chance to eat some Brigadeiro, try it. You won't regret I think Pascal, you haven't been the biggest fan of it, but oh well. I think it's a it's an acquired taste. It's an acquired taste. I just had too many of them. <laughs> it, it's super strong and like calorie bomb. Oh yeah, for sure. All right. Um, I also, um, as we talked about in the first episode, uh, my kids are big fans, and uh, I asked them to to write down some some questions, and. Uh, 
um, uh, my son, he has uh, is very focused on his own progression, and uh, you know when at which age he's allowed to do what stuff. <laughs> so he wanted to know, at which age did you do your first backflip, your first front flip, and your first crankworks? So my first backflip was with 13 years, I think. I was 13 years young. First front flip with 14, and first crankworks with 19. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so he has some he has some time left. So he's going to be eight in uh, in March. So we have uh, time to to get the jumps to get the jumps ready. <laughs> Man, times are changing. Thirteen is uh, too old. <laughs> Absolutely. That's why his next question is also: What is your best tip on how to learn a backflip? Actually, the backflip is such an easy thing, and. I would bet that I could teach you guys to learn a backflip in one day. Easy. If you get the commitment. I want to see Pascal backflip. <laughs> when you get back, let's do it. Easy. Um, if you have the commitment to just get like upside down, then you got it easily. Because you're actually... And you're halfway there. If the, the radius right, of the ramp and the, the takeoff is most of the time like 65 degrees... And the landing is like 50 degrees or something. So you're almost, yeah, almost half of the 360 backflip, you know, like upside down rotation is done in the lip and landing. So you only have to do a half backflip in that way. So if you're actually just leaning back and following the radius of the ramp, you know, then you kind of, yeah, if you pull a bit, lean back, look back, it just spins easy. But you have to have a super open mind and let your body go let your body spin but i think i would go onto a foam pit first because snare bag still can be super painful but into a foam pit you can head dive from five meters you won't get hurt really pascal you up for it well, you should try it's a winter a winter project <laughs> let's find a foam pit i need to get i need to get a dirt jump bike first <laughs> there there's one actually the only proper foam pit is in sweden so we would have to fly to Sweden. All right, let's uh, wrap it up for today. And uh, before we let you go, um, let's just do briefly a spiel with the social where you guys can find more information about the Skits and Giggles podcast. Um, we are currently most active on our Instagram where you can slide right into our DMs and follow along at Skits and Giggles. And you can find our website with all the relevant links and info under the URL skitsandgiggles.com. Also, if you guys like what we're doing and want to know what's up, just give us a follow on Spotify. Hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to great podcasts. Well, Hoopy, thanks again for your time. I hope those last two days are going through like a breeze and you're, you know, fresh, rested and ready to go for Rotorua. We wish you all the best. And uh, thanks for your time. That was great. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for having me once again. It was a pleasure. See you when you're back. Perfect. Thanks, guys. Have a good evening. All right. You too. Have a good run. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks.